0: All right, hello everyone. My name is Bailan Mejino with the Leaders Edge. We are here brought to you by Global Dream Makers where we help you create your dreams uh, using the Dream Maker Matrix. And today we are absolutely honored to have a very special guest. Uh, His name is uh, Sunny Leviste. He's known as Sunny Leviste. However, in another life, he was known as Mario Leviste. And um, this is somebody that I, in, in many ways, have called a modern renaissance man. Let me let me tell you a bit about what he's done. And this is really just some of it, this isn't all of it. Uh, in government and community, he has been the senior board member of the provincial government of Batangas, which is like being a state senator in California. He established the network of agriculture and fishery councils that advises the government on issues and a budget for those communities all around the country. He's the former executive director of ABS-CBN Foundation. In education, he established and managed the Master in Management Technology program at De La Salipa, the first of its kind in the nation, and it continued for 25 years before being folded into the MBA program. He's an adjunct professor and former director of the Graduate School of Business at De La Lipa. Uh, an adjunct pro- professor at the Asian Institute of Management. He was a marine educator at the Marine Science Institute. He's been a consultant for organizations such as TESDA, which is the Technical Education and Skills Development Authority. And he has been integral in the highly successful youth STEM camps in San Francisco called Spy Camp. As an entrepreneur, we're not done yet, as an op- entrepreneur <laughs> He had a successful retail business that sold clothing and gear similar to Cabello's here in the U.S. He's a multimedia alchemist, especially photography and videography, a marketing consultant. Uh, He has been special projects consultant for the Philippine-American Chamber of Commerce in Silicon Valley. And he's an environmentalist. His advocacy for the environment has included volunteering at the San Francisco Maritime National Historic Park. and. Uh, consulting with the California Academy of Sciences on their Philippine Reef project. And he has interests in judo, Arnis, and something called BioCircle. And he's a former national collegiate champion of judo. So welcome, Sunny. (laughs)
1: Hi, thank you for inviting me.
0: Yes, of course, of course. We think I I invited you because I know you have um, not just a unique take on things that are happening around the world, but you have this ability to look at the broad range and to integrate everything into something understandable. And then you tell it in stories. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love storytelling. I, I, I grew up with storytelling and, um, and, and life has been an adventure in, in, in many ways. Uh, I'm, I'm like my hummingbird. My, I have, I, I, say my hummingbird because I have a friend that I refer to as Humi, and my my friends in Facebook all know Humi already, and um, I've made it a goal this this uh, this particular season, the last six we- six days, to free her from free her from her world from her cage, her cage of uh, flowers as the only source of nutrition and the artificial uh, feeders uh, that look like flowers and to teach her how to drink uh, from her own coffee cup, espresso cup, to drink from a shot glass uh, and to to drink from a straw. And um, she did all that within the, the last six days. And she responds when I call her. Uh, sometimes as as fast as 10 seconds, 15 seconds. So yeah, And then she's just such an adorable friend. I call her my BFF. You know, my best bird friend.
0: <laughs> okay, well, we're going to have to come back to the hummingbird because I'm sure it has it will fold into education and going outside of the box for leaders. So here at the Leader's Edge, we talk a lot about leadership. And can you briefly tell us a bit about how you came to your understanding of what leadership means or who were some of the key people who influenced you about being a leader or about uh, how you define it?
1: My my leadership exposure came early in life. Um, my father was a doctor. Uh, he inspired me to become a doctor. Uh, he didn't ask me to be one. In fact, he was the one who stopped me when I was already inspired and in going to be a doctor, going, going for, for my medical. Uh, but he was the one who stopped me. He taught me a lot of things early in life. Um, I have a brother, Jesse, who, is, uh, who passed away. Already, but he was a cerebral palsy. He was um, given 20 years to live, and he was uh, bedridden at the age of 14. In his early teens, he was bed- bedridden already, but he continued to live uh, actively, though bed- bedridden. He had a bigger body than I did, except he couldn't, he had very skinny legs. Because he lost the use of his legs um, from atrophy and he um, from polio, I think. Uh, but he lived to be 54 years old, wow. lived to his mid 50s, and, and he didn't have any bed sores. The doctors were asking, how did, how did he last that long without any bed sores? And the answer really was love. He was taken care of by my sisters, my brother, myself. I had him for ten years when I was living in the province. And uh, and it was it was as as my brother Joey says, when we think of Jesse, let's not think of him as a half-empty glass. Think of him as a half full glass. We're going up, we're not going down. And it happened. It happened. He kept us together. He he was center of our attention. Even my kids growing up when they were babies would crawl up to his bed and share with his food, uh, <laughs> and so did I. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I see a lot of things that 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 leadership uh, expo that I was exposed to in leadership. My my. Uh, my uncle, uh, Sanoy Leviste, Governor Sanoy Leviste, was governor for 24 straight years, six terms, without, wow. um, without losing a single one. The last two terms, he was already weak, but people still kept voting for him because he could relate to people. He could relate to the ordinary people. And you could not talk to the governor. Everybody was welcome, but you could not talk to the governor unless you had breakfast or lunch with him, or even dinner. So the capital was always full, the the people's mansion. uh, He built the people's mansion with his own salary that he did not receive. The savings of his own salary uh, was was enough to build the people's mansion. So yeah, he, he was an inspiration. He was an inspiration not only to me, but to our whole province.
0: And so he helped you to define leadership as caring for your people,
1: giving he, back. Yes, yes. Uh, he was he was in many ways uh, remembered as very provinciano. He looked like he came from the boondocks. He he would walk around in slippers and shorts, and sometimes he you, you know how the shorts were before the Um he would walk around like that and he would get dressed when it's necessary to get dressed and wear barons and he'd look good in, 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 in those things. But he was the people's governor and he did care a lot about people. And that's why he just kept winning. Well, that's, that's amazing, 24 years. 24 years. Mm-hmm. He 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 retired when he could no longer. He could no longer. He was spending more time going to the hot springs to get well.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so, for you then, you know, having come from uh, environments where what your father was a doctor, your uncle was the governor, and. Other, I assume other family members were either in business or in my government. My brother,
1: my brother Joey, was uh, was uh, with the Constitutional Convention. Um, Sanoy's son, when he retired, became uh, ran for Congress and and uh, was a congressman until he died. Um, mm-hmm. He there were there were many of them. I have I have a, a cousin, another cousin Tony, who also became governor, former governor. Um and uh my nephew, Mark De is uh currently the vice governor and has been, I think, the longest serving vice governor in the in the province.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, so so a lot of government service in the family, yes, which is serving the people. Um, yes. what were some of the situations that were pivotal for you? Through your lifetime, as you were
1: defining what leadership was for you, well, um, being exposed to all of that helped a lot. I also worked with some. I always had good leader bosses, and I was blessed with that. Uh, one of one of them, I I truly admire to this day, is. Uh, the current uh, uh, secretary of the treasury of finance, secretary of finance, sanny Dominguez. He was formerly the secretary of agriculture, which was the, um, where I where he hired me to become the local council coordinator, in which I was to organize. I was to organize all of the agriculture and fishery councils uh through the through the regional agriculture and fishery councils through the provincial agriculture and fishery councils and even the uh, city and municipal agriculture and fishery councils that was um that was a very very exciting time for me i was i was learning on the job um he trusted me on that and he he gave full support and the whole uh department of agriculture because of that support uh Supported me wherever I went, so I had, I had the chance of uh, meeting the people directly on a personal basis uh, in every province of of the in in every province or every region of the uh, Philippines, and had to and got to visit the country about three times. <laughs> Was a fa- it, was, it, was, it was a fabulous job. It, it would take me to the mountains, it would take me to the beaches, it would take me to the islands. And it, and you, it's, it's good to be there because outside of the cities you really see what planning was like. You'd really see what life was like. And in the process, uh, we were able to develop a feedback mechanism from the barangay level the for the village level uh going all the way up to the national level and every step being coordinated with the next higher level so that by the time it reaches the national they already had a clear idea what was needed by the locals with their own plans written down already and i i was with the i was with the secretary dominguez uh couple of years back uh, during the launching of my my mother's cookbook and he he mentioned to me that do you know that that thing you you, you started he says I started he was the one who created that thing but um, is it that thing you started it's still running up to now and it's the only one of that period that continues to run as part of the as part of a national organisation some 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 departments have tried to to duplicate the system but the department of agriculture actually had a national agriculture and fishery council that worked
0: <laughs> you should it's be very amazing. proud of yourself for that <laughs> very proud of yourself yes so well, i'm
1: i'm i'm proud of the people i worked with i'm i'm just i'm just like a photographer you know, I, I take pictures, I document things. In, in that case, I wasn't taking pictures uh, often. I, my picture was being taken in, 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 in meetings, but I got the chance to relay what was going on in the, in the villages, in the provinces, in the municipalities, then coordinate that with the regional councils and move it up to the national. Mm-hmm. So it was always an exciting time was always an exciting time because constantly moving you had to you had to deal with hundreds of, of municipalities uh, and go back
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so did you actually envision that whole situation that whole system or was that something that you and secretary dominguez thought
1: of together he basically he basically conceptualized it and he, he, he just said you're the perfect man for this. Just get it done.
0: Mm. So was that before or after you created the, um, the Masters in Management Technology Program at De La Salve?
1: That was before. That was okay. before.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I also so,
1: worked with, with the Department of Local Governments, and, and uh, that was fun. I was actually teaching. I was working for the Barangay Brigades, teaching judo. <laughs> <laughs> barang, barangay control, because that way, in in judo as a martial arts, you could you could control the damage. You can control the the, the attack, and it, it, the, the whole purpose was to neutralize any attack or any situation and stop whenever it was necessary. Yeah, yeah. It's not okay. one of those. You hit him once and all his bones are broken. No, it's not like that. It's more restraint. It's neutralizing and uh, neutralizing attacks and neutralizing dangerous situations.
0: Mm, I see. Okay.
1: So you, you so then we went into ed- scaling. Huh?
0: I'm you I'm had sorry. an option mm-hmm. of
1: scaling up if needed.
0: hmm Okay. Okay. So um then we then you pivoted to education
1: yes because uh at that time i was already educated i was not already in education i was um i was involved with the talic development program i was helping helping uh fishermen farmers and fishermen to be able to generate uh income a steady income through through ag- agri-, agri aquaculture, breeding tilapia in fish cages, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. it, it it was it, it it really opened up the whole fish cage industry and the tilapia industry in in Taal Lake in Batangas, and we were proud of that because in Taal Lake the prices that came of fishes brought to Navotas the fish market. Uh, in, in Manila, the prices of fish coming from Batangas, uh, tilapia, were selling for significantly higher than fishes from other sources because the the, le- the other lakes were shallow mm-hmm. and therefore uh, had the taste of mud on the gills. Mm-hmm. They would absorb that taste but uh, still delicious except when you get to taste the, ta- the fish from Taal Lake you don't want to go back, <laughs> you don't want to go back. Uh, it's, it's because Ta'alik is, is created by nature differently. It has three tributaries only. And those tributaries go one way into the lake from the mountains. We're surrounded the, the, the whole lake now. With that, 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 that was the caldera of a bigger bigger explosion. And that created a lake within a lake within a lake.
0: Uh, see? Um, and, and, see. and but
1: the water all goes out only in one in one place, Pansipit, Pansipit River. So as the water goes out, you know, the 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 any any accumulation gets brought out. Mm-hmm. Any pollution gets to be gets to be released through the ocean if there's any pollution but there wasn't any pollution at the time we were running it it just started uh, recently because i guess overpopulation and production and other other factors They've now they've now taken steps to help control that the the overdevelopment of of fish caging mhm mhm
0: okay so is that something that um uh developed because of of the this the situations or was it developed by uh you know like the the development council I and mean, why well, did the, that change uh the
1: the the current governor the current governor uh, and uh, has uh, governor mandanas he's a very good governor um has made it made it clear and uh, that that the environment should sh- should be considered at this point. And it's during his term that uh, dur- that uh, the the control the control started. I remember my during my last visit there, uh, I got to to attend a couple of meetings where where they they had limited something like six thousand fish cages only. For, for for the whole for the whole lake. So they were up to I think 13 15 to 13,000 something oh like that. Oh my. And so they were they were trying to reduce it to to a more sustainable level. And we mm-hmm. have good people uh, helping us out there.
0: Mhm. Okay. Yeah, things change. Things really do change. Um, supply and demand
1: uh, it, also, the population has increased. Batangas is an, is, like I said, you know, Batangas is closest to Metro Manila. Um, it's got a, a beautiful lake uh, that leads out directly to the sea. So, mm-hmm. so Batangas is really shaped like a donut.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I is. didn't realize that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's let's come back over to, to education. Okay. What are your thoughts on, well, okay, so I know that because of the graduate business schools and the work you've done there, you have helped to shape generations of leaders in business and government not in the region, if not around the world, right? Well, what are your thoughts on education and where it needs to go now?
1: I think, that the world is changing very, very rapidly because of technology. Um, technology has allowed uh, distance education to be to be proposed before, but there was a lot of resistance to that until COVID came in. Mm. With, with the with the onset of COVID, matched with the corresponding capability of technology to, to make things like this happen. Like, have me giving a talk with my favorite ocean behind me. Uh, <laughs> and forget that I'm really feeling very, very cold here in California at night. <laughs> 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 it, it, that, it, we're, we're able to share so many things and so many masters. So many of the best educators in the world are already showing up and giving their ideas, their concepts, their experience, their wisdom in a rapidly changing environment. But most of this this education, this, this wisdom, has happened during their specific time where they were the right people for the right time. But now the events have changed so much that... Whole industries are being affected. AI is taking away a lot of the problem, uh, a lot of the problems uh, in in getting things done, but at the same time affecting uh, tons, uh, lots and lots of millions of of people who have been working the same jobs, uh, which were shifting, but not shifting as fast. And suddenly, the change became so rapid. Uh, it took people in the private sector to create reusable rockets, like <laughs> Elon Musk, you know? I, and you, I, I, I read about Elon because I think that his mindset is exactly what's needed for an interplanetary relationship, for an interplanetary uh, system. Who's going to decide how that's going to be? What is the kind of knowledge that is necessary? In, in the graduate school, we, we go into strategic management as the last subject.
0: Mm-hmm. And we
1: all only hire uh, doctors to teach that. I was asked to teach strategic management during my last time to teach there. And I said, I thought We only hire doctors. It's changed. said. And I was told by my dean, but yeah, you were the one who set up this program. You know how it works and you take what's necessary to, to do it. I said, do I follow the same system that has been taught? I will give you a copy of it, but you make the changes you feel necessary. And I did. I did. I just basically... On the first day of class, I said, today we're going to, for, uh, for this class, we're going to talk and learn everything about strategic management as best as we can. These are the books. These are the, these are the names, that are the, the top topics we're supposed to, to talk about. It. But I want you to go up to the front and write down one word or two words, not more than two words on the board so that we can identify what you, as a stakeholder, want to take home from ed- from this course of strategic management. And it took a whole hour just to get that introductory part started. But you know what? They embraced it completely. Even when, because I would go there only on, on uh, on Saturdays and Sundays uh, and teach full eight-hour eight courses. And when we would do that, we were supposed to have our, our midterms on a Sunday and it was raining. There was a storm on Saturday. <laughs> and so uh, they were all supposed to go home write their, uh, prepare their presentations. Each each, each uh, uh, participant would make their own analysis of the situation, make a presentation, and then defend it uh, as it will be discussed with everybody else present. And the agreement was rain or shine, we're going to hold the class. So I took the bus Went, went went to Lipa and when I got there, I was told that, sir, uh, there's a shutdown. Why? The, the whole school has been shut down. Um, do I have any students that came in? Yes, sir. There are six of them. And they refuse to leave until they talk to you. <laughs> okay. So I went there and talked to them and I said... Uh, where's everybody else, sir? Classes were suspended. Even for us? Yeah. So we don't have a classroom. Uh, We have our presentations in in our computer, in our laptops, but we don't have a classroom. We don't have, uh, what are we going to do? I said, you see that table out there where that guard is? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to need it. Let's hold our class there set it up and so and if it's just the six of us who who get it done then that's just the six of us let's not punish those who come on time and so we did <laughs> but as they were setting up i said wait sir, we're getting messages from the others uh, are we still holding classes because yeah tell them they don't have to come here but they have to submit their reports and present them anyway. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they did, using Facebook Live. I'm not supposed to be advertising that, but yeah, we <laughs> <They> did. <laughs> and so it's, and this is what I think leadership is. I think leadership is do the best you can with what you have. Take care of your people and be consistent with them. Show them you care. And how much better can you show them you care than being out there in the middle of a storm and telling them, let's do it now and tell those who can't come in not to come, but submit their reports anyway, because that was the agreement
0: Mm -hmm. and it works. You found a way to get around the weather and around
1: the school closure. I didn't. I didn't get around it. I just had to do my job, mm. and I mm-hmm. was not going to use the excuse of you know these are adults. They wanted to, to to discuss and they had prepared for it and they came over in the middle of the storm. Who am I to stop them? <laughs> I'd give them medals if I could.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think that's interesting because you started off with talking about how you had uh, the students had. Input, and in what they wanted to
1: experience
0: or what they wanted to learn.
1: Absolutely, right. Absolutely, I'm so proud of them, you know. And and mm-hmm. you know, uh, like I remember, uh, Dean Lontok was asking me about the class in AIM when I held Instinct in in AIM, and I I got them to go out for ten minutes and find a leaf that they could identify with and give them, and and to be able to to know the leaf like the back of their hands. Mm -hmm. And each student went out and each student came back with a leaf. And each student, I asked them all to put the leaves into the, on top of my table and ask a couple of people to shuffle them and make tossed salad out of them. And now they're all mixed up and I asked each of them to find their own leaves. And Mm a hundred percent of them were able to find them. Now that in itself is amazing. Wow. Mm -hmm. And it, it brought us to the level of understanding that the measurement of skill and development should not be limited only to what is written and what can be what, what can be calculated? And when emotional emotional uh, intelligence came out, that was confirmation. I've got even better confirmation than that. I've taught Humi to think out. Humi is my hummingbird to think out of the box, out of the cage, drink from the cup, drink from from <laughs> from a shot glass and with a straw. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I got her really pissed off many times when she'd, she'd be, be frustrated at me why I'm changing things so fast. Well, I wasn't. I just gave her her freedom. See?
0: You removed the box.
1: I just removed the box.
0: Mm.
1: Well, I'm, that, I'm that, trying to imagine cool. how this is going to work in a formal school. Say. By the way, you see that coconut tree? That's my concept of school. I used to say this a lot, that someday I'd put up my own school and I'd hold classes under the coconut trees and people from all over the world will be able to learn from me. Now it's being done.
0: <laughs> I love it, I love it, okay. Okay.
1: For a subject called instinct.
0: Yes. Could you tell us what instinct means?
1: Instinct means integrative systems for intuitive, natural, and creative technologies. Hey, they're only discovering that now. But we're, more than that, we started the subject Earth in the, in the Ma- Master in Management Technology Program. Earth stands for the Ecology of Aquatic Resources and Terrestrial Habitats. Mm, Five years ago. 26, I think, already. <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs> that's because you're on an island.
1: <laughs> no, that's because we're having fun. <laughs> it's more fun in the Philippines. That's how they do So they say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so wait, wait. Go back just a little bit. Okay, yeah. change. Let's what talk about? a little bit about change. Everybody, especially right now, is reeling from all of the change that has been required or that we've been forced to undergo because of the pandemic. And now where people are looking forward to the post-pandemic time or the later pandemic time, uh, what can you do, say to people about, about how to uh, manage or get through the change? Because it really is upside down and people don't, are having to figure out how to move forward into the unknown.
1: I remember my discussion with Brother Rafe once. Um, we had uh, Brother Rafe was our president then in La Salle, He was the one who hired me. And um, at that time, there were many, many beautiful conversations we've had, but there was one time that uh, we presented uh the the situation, an update on on the school for for planning purposes. And um, we had a problem with the numbers. and uh, in the course of the discussion, uh, we got shot down. You know, the numbers were all wrong. And even if that was not my my realm, I, I tried to protect it, but it's okay. It was a learning experience, and so as I walked out, uh, <laughs> Dean Winnie was on, on on one side, I was on the other side. Brother Rafe had his arm his arm around both of us, uh, and he said, "Let's have marianda," you know. And I said, uh, "But how long are we going to have to deal with this? We have to be ready all the time." And then, you know, and he looks at me and says as long as we have to do it and keep doing it you know the more things change the more things remain the same and that's why we have to continue making the necessary changes for those that need them and to me it it was a good preparation for for me to be able to see what was in the future for the same reason that i asked him why do you want to have a, an MBA program? Computers are just starting now. It's 1995. You know, this guy, Bill Gates, uh, <laughs> this guy, Bill Gates. Uh, <laughs> he looked back at time and, yeah. <laughs> uh huh. And, and so he says, What do you have in mind? Well, why don't you give them the best of the MBA? with a bias towards technology or to- towards computers. And then uh, science, I, I wanted science included because I was a biologist, you know. And um, he liked the idea. He liked the concept, you know, give them give them, give them operations management, give them marketing, give them a- finance, but at the same time allow them to create their path into computerization, their path into, into uh, what do you call this thing, into the sciences. And we could offer that as electives. And then Brother Rafe who was Harvard trained, came up with the concept of, yeah, let's do that. And let's make it on a modular basis so that every three or four subjects, uh, courses, they become they complete one module and that will lead to their mastery. Brilliant. Right. And so by the time the 25th year came in, uh, well, getting getting the, the education uh, there initially required importing a lot of big, big Professors from other schools. Some of them were not allowed to teach in other schools, so they came in as consultants. But <laughs> <laughs> but they were the ones who handled the schools. <laughs> so, so we were collaborating already at that time. Mm-hmm. Then there were there were even companies that wanted to to uh, because because of the changes that happened in the educational system. Can you imagine on the first on the year that we started, their their benchmark was 86% of the students wanted graduating from high school wanted to go to college in Manila because of their feeling that it was it was well, Lasalle Pa was not moving that fast. It had 10 hectares uh, in addition to its current campus, but 10 hectares of grassland. In the first three years, eight new buildings were, were, were constructed and uh, eight new buildings in the centrum, which was, which was uh, a basketball court, a floating basketball court with, with uh, collapsible, collapsible uh, goals. So it became the center of Lipa. Even the basketball games were being held there. Even the concerts <laughs> were being held there. We were generating income from other sources using the same facilities that every school had, except we ramped it up a little bit. Yeah. So now that's standard for all the other schools. But when we did it, we were the only school in Batangas with an elevator. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it was Collaborating with the commercial sector. Yes. And, and education. Uh, to see how you can share resources uh, and combine communities.
1: Well, I'll give you a cute, a cute example. Um, during that time, we were developing developing La Salle and it was starting to to uh, La Salle de Pa, because there there, are, there were eleven schools already at the time. Um, mm-hmm. during that time, i I was invited to um, to check out Cisco. And Cisco wanted me to join them, and I said, mm-hmm. "I can't. I'm in the middle of I'm in the middle of one uh, of, a, of a big project right now. And if I pull out right now, it's going to be half-baked, and it might be difficult for it to continue." And he says, "Yeah, but." We need you now. We're going to find an island that's going to be the rest and recreation island for of, of Cisco, and we're going to we're going to mo- bring in uh, mobile barges and uh, <laughs> barges that will energize energize the place. We'll build the infrastructure there. We can hold trainings there, etc., 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 for our people from all over the world. I said that's really, really tempting, but I can't. How would you trust? How can you even trust me if I'm going to trade you in, trade in my school, which has put its, its complete uh, trust in me to help them through? And they've started and, and, and they've agreed in major ways on the very ideas that, that I presented. So if you could wait for six months. I'll join you. But if you need somebody right now, find somebody. Hire that person. And they did. But before I left, I said, by the way, let me score some brownie points anyway. Uh, What did you have in mind? Make make, Make us your first RNA, Regional Networking Academy. Okay. So we shook hands on that. 18 months later, John Chambers himself flew into the Philippines, not to the university, but to La Salipa. Never got to meet him. I was in some other meetings, but that was okay. I was so proud of that fact because there were no documents whatsoever, just a handshake with Paul Lohan. Relationship is everything. Relationship is everything. And that, I think, is one of the things that must be taught as part and parcel of education because if we're going into a, a truly globalized education then we have to deal with diversity then we have to deal with changes in culture then we have to deal with with gender gender problems and those are not problems they're they're opportunities these are really opportunities but the thing we have to do is as humans. We must always think of the earth as one Mm -hmm. village. The only way to think about it is it is one village, interconnected. That we are like the the bacteria and the viruses in the body of the world. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Where the the human genome is less than 10% for every human. And yet, the 89, 90%, uh, 90 plus percent are really bacteria and virus that creates all these little subsystems that coexist within our bodies to make the body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Our bodies are fabulous, but we have to take care of them. So is our earth. We have to take care of it.
0: We're not going to go into things like climate change today, <laughs> um, but I'm glad you mentioned diversity and inclusion, and all those and, and those many issues that are right at the top of everyone's minds today. Those are societal things that need to change.
1: Absolutely, um,
0: for our leaders, especially our our leaders in government, and our leaders in organizations, right. What can you tell them about, um, about being leaders in this changing time? Really, just something really, uh, a clear message to them. What, they, what would be a guideline for them that they need to keep in mind?
1: I remember my exposure in public service was really to serve the public. And if you serve the public, they will take care of you. But now, look at, look at the leaders they look for now. They look for warriors. They look for strength. They look for the capability to deliver under any condition. They forget that for every enemy that, that you're hurting or neutralizing, you're doing that to a potential ally from the same bloodline, from the same genomes, from the same planet. We've got a beautiful planet, but we need to fix the systems. And it begins with ourselves. If you're going to be a leader, the first thing to change is yourself. Understand that it's not about you, it's about everybody else. As Gandhi said, I think he's the greatest warrior, you know. As Gandhi said, there go my people. I must follow, for I am their leader.
0: Hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about martial
1: instinct? Martial instinct, I think, is, is something that people should understand. Take yourselves out of the box of, I'm going to be an accountant, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be an engineer. You must be all of that if you're going to Mars. You must be all of that if you're going to survive. You must have a total integration of your body, mind and soul, your spirit. You've got to get them working together. Because having only two of the three will give you an imbalanced body. And that is going to collapse. I know that for a fact because I I went from one extreme to the other. I during during the eruption of Ta'al and through most of my life, I was always running around at, at high speed. And I would I would passed my tests with very, very high marks because I was active. I was, I was very active with, with and very athletic. But when I got back to the States last year for, uh, for it, and I didn't postpone my, my trip because uh, I was asked to stay for, to help a little bit more uh, during the eruption of Ta'al Volcano, a uh, place where I worked in, and I knew, so many people who were affected i i expected to to pass the test with flying colors even if i was already 65 you yeah. know but that didn't happen when they took when they took my my mri my stress test rather they, they found out that the reason I was having a hard time recovering was because I was only getting 5%. All my arteries were charged, were, were clogged. I was only getting 5% of my oxygen level. Wow. And I was told that if you. You're, you're, you haven't had your first attack yet, but your first attack will definitely be massive and could be fatal. I had to make a decision there and then and I couldn't call out. So I I cried over that, I meditated over that, I prayed over it. And I said, my dad always told me to not not take brain surgery from a dentist. Do your magic. I agreed to do it. I, I, I agreed to do it. And I'm celebrating now my first year. My first year as a survivor of a quintuple bypass. Wow. My, my oxygen level after the operation was 98-99% average. To this day, it's 98-99%. So I'm well on my way to Full recovery? I think I'm already there, you know. But uh, I just have to ask the doctors, what do you mean by full recovery? How far can I go? Because I'm starting to dream again. But I think my heart is in a different angle now. Or uh,
0: gotta <laughs> tell me how
1: much it, I might push too hard. But apparently, you know, other than that, I have I have got nothing else but gratitude and appreciation for the frontliners who helped me stay alive, who have kept me alive and, and now dreaming of 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 a better better way of living so that I can be there for my grandchildren who I promised I'd be there for their weddings. They're only mm-hmm. four years old now.
0: Not a ways to go.
1: <laughs> well so
0: how how could people get in touch with you if they want to get in touch with you?
1: Oh, they can. They can contact me anytime. I'm. Uh, my numbers are on Facebook. My numbers are on, on uh, what do you call this in LinkedIn? Mm-hmm. And um, if you lose it, for whatever reason, just. Think of Sunny Leviste, spelled with an A, S-A-N-N-Y, Levi's with a T-E, uh, and Google me. You'll find me.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So for a last
0: thought, I want to ask you, if you knew that the world's leaders would listen to you, would listen to you, and uh, what message would you give to them?
1: Listen to the people you serve, particularly your grandchildren. They'll tell you the truth.
0: Mm. We forget about legacy, don't we? We're we so busy in the day-to-day. Day. We forget about
1: future generations. Yeah, and, and here's the thing about education. Education is as good as you want it to be. I've known of people or read about people. One um, Batanguenya, in fact, passed the bar without even taking law. Hmm. That became wow. Senator Jokno from hmm. Batangas. Ah, I didn't know that. So there is nothing in this world that can stop you from a good education if you want to. I was blessed with, with, with my scholarship from AIM. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to afford that on a, on, on my on my uh, limited income. But I I think that if there's one thing that I remember from AIM, it was the the fact that they did not deprive us of the chance of being the best we could be. And he didn't hold back. I remember, and may he rest in peace, Ed Morato. We used to see him as the person who would walk the, uh, the, the, the corridors of AIM with his feet not touching. He was a musician. He was, <laughs> he, he was a singer. He was, he was a financial genius. He was a strategic management practitioner. He was an author. He was a dancer. He passed away. Just recently, his last mass uh, was yesterday, and I was able to attend one of them, and I missed out on the, the last mass yesterday. But I was I I prayed I prayed for him and I thanked him for for helping me. One of the things that he wrote after I prepared my my MRR report, the management research report, I had my proposal. Ended up almost 200 pages. He just Mm -hmm. wrote one sentence This is not a proposal, make it one. I was so angry because I hadn't slept for three weeks. (laughs) But I'm so proud that my final report was actually used as a case later on. Mm So, thank you, Professor Ed, uh, Dr. Ed now.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, we have had uh, Sunny Leviste from Aguaterra Institute joining us today, sharing about leadership, business, education, uh, and the future, change and the future. Thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts, and I'm sure we'll have you coming back again.
1: Thank you. It's an honor.